Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the U.K. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome back to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. As always, I am your host, Liam, or at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. And we have an amazing guest coming up for you in a few minutes. But first, let me let me pass it over to my lovely co-host, as usual, Rich at Dynasty Island. How are you doing, buddy? It's a warm, warm Tuesday in the UK. We're not used to this weather. Are you sweating as much as I am? Well, yeah, I mean, I've just spent all day at Peppa Pig World, so I am incredibly hot and sweaty. Um, I'm apologies for starting this a little bit late. It was my fault getting getting back delayed. So yeah, I've I've had a a great fun day listening to the same tune on repeat all day. Um, so yeah, very much up for talking dynasty now. And I'm sure, as you can hear in the background, his laugh. So. Um, you may know him from Twitter as the Trick Shot Guy. Um, he does all sorts with a um, medicine, no, not medicine ball, uh, a yoga ball, exercise ball. That, ball. Yeah. yeah. So his name is Joe Peppy. <clears throat> I got it right. Got it right. <laughs> um, so at jpep20 on Twitter, he writes for Fancy Pros and a host of other websites. Um, Joe, how are you doing? It's been a long time coming getting you on the show for this year. 
Yeah, man, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I keep forgetting that you guys are like nighttime compared to me. And I'm like, how did you do all this already? It's 3 p.m. Like, but I'm catching up. I'll get there eventually. You know. By the end of the show, you realize that we're about to go to bed, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you're falling asleep and yawning and I'm just wide awake, it'll all make sense. Sounds good. So, boys, the Scott Fishbowl kicked off yesterday, um, 3 o'clock our time. For you, I think it was 10 o'clock Eastern um, over the seas. So how's your Scott Fishbowl draft going? Because I'm three rounds in at the moment. We're at the 406, but I've only made three picks. Um, and it took a turn. I didn't think I'd be drafting the way that I am, but here I am. Um, Rich, how's your draft going? And then we'll move over to Pepe. Mine's, mine's very slow. Um, we're, we're only three picks in. Uh, I said to myself, I had, I had three plans going into to Scott Fishbowl this year was don't leave the 301 without two QBs, invest heavily on elite wide receivers and wait on running back. So through three rounds, I've got uh, Coop Cup, Christian McCaffrey and Derek Henry. So as you can see, my uh, two quarterbacks run a 301 has, has worked well. Um so yeah, I mean, look, the draft fell as it fell. I refused to reach. So um, yeah, the value's there. Let's let's all just pray that some sort of quarterback makes it back to me in the uh, the four five turn, or uh, I'm going to have a very short season. What about you, Joe? I did the opposite of you, and I made sure I got my quarterbacks. I mean, I'm at the 105, so it was a little easier to get mine. But I got two quarterbacks, I got two tight ends, I got a stack with my tight end, receiver, and quarterback. I took basically every Raider that plays on the organization, it looks like. So I'm hoping for a really, really strong AFC West where the Raiders have to score like 40 points a game, and I'll be great. Like, I'm about could, eight, I'm, I'm like eight rounds, though. I'm about eight rounds in. So I don't you got to tell your leagues, like, speed that up. Are, this is the one question though are all your guys in your league are you a local league are you all no no so i'm in i'm in gotham so okay. i'm in a i'm in a non like reality league but everybody's uh pretty pretty good they stay like alive in the chat we do have one guy who was actually in the dark knight movie which is pretty cool oh, wow so that is yeah yeah so, so it's it's uh it's a pretty it's a pretty good group um they haven't sniped me too much and hopefully they're not listening today Nice. <laughs> what about you, Lynn? I mean, uh So I'm three rounds through, as I said. So I took Hertz in the first and then um, forgot that I made a pre-draft list for the second round pick and ended up getting Christian McCaffrey. But I'm glad that I did because after my Hertz pick, who was quarterback eight off the board, um, Russ Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford all went the next four picks and it circled back to me. So... Um, I'll take Christian McCaffrey at the 203 um, and then Najee Harris at the 303. So quite happy with the way that that's gone. I kind of expected to get Brady or Rogers maybe around the uh, around my 203. But no, I'm, I'm happy with how it's going. And by the looks of it, I'm just going to punt quarterback and hope that none of my league are listening as well. <laughs> yeah. So today, enough redraft talk. And I say that. And we're about to talk more <laughs> redraft. So um, today we are the Five Yard Dynasty podcast, as usual. So we always try to bring things around to the dynasty. But today we're going to be talking about redraft strategies that you can use in your dynasty leagues to basically help you and give you a bit of an edge 
around what everyone else is doing because in dynasty a lot of people will look at the age of players and that kind of informs a lot of decision making whereas in redraft age goes out the window and we all know that rich is one of the biggest people that says quarterback um age doesn't matter um so how can we apply that not just the quarterbacks but to other positions not saying that it doesn't matter entirely in dynasty but maybe the dynasty community has got a bit um a bit too age happy and a bit too young um in their mindset so we brought joe on who is a redraft writer at fancy pros to basically give us some hints and tips on how he plays dynasty because um i've seen some of joe's trades and they're quite interesting including the <laughs> one that um he was no. drunk, thought that he was getting <laughs> um the pick and he ended up giving someone away really really cheaply so yeah um, it was a rough day man <laughs> <laughs> i had to bring that up i just had to so forgot um, you're in that league like... <laughs> i think we both are as well <laughs> yeah so yeah um but yeah so we've got joe on to talk about some redraft strategies you can use in your dynasty league so to start off um joe when you're preparing for a dynasty league uh, this is not on the show sheet so i'm throwing you a spanner in the works <laughs> seven minutes into the show but how do you prepare for a dynasty league like what, what's your preferred strategy are you much more of an ageist or do you tend to play on your redraft kind of mentality from all your articles and try and bring that over into the dynasty world, I suppose. For the most part, I tried to play on my redraft side. I mean, there's always like teams falling to you in certain ways. You're like, you know what? Playing for two years from now. Like you just, you build your team out a certain way. But for me, I love to play dynasty if I can in one to two year windows and at most the third year window. So the age doesn't bother me all too much. There's certain players I won't touch with a 10-foot pole. Like, everybody knew Ben Roethlisberger was retiring last year, so I wasn't touching him last year. You know, simple things like that. But otherwise, like, give me the older people. Give me the people we're going to talk about later with the different running backs of, like, higher ages. If I can get one to two years out of them, I'm good. There's only a couple teams that I do big rebuilds with, and those are the ones I blow Rich's uh, DMs up about. <laughs> yeah I, I think it's i think it's a great kind of approach and i i know liam and i we talk about people going to win now and i think that sometimes people can play dynasty a little bit too like redraft not not wanting to, to mention you joe but um i think there's a fine line isn't there between playing dynasty like redraft and and being aggressive in the here and now but not making moves that completely mortgage the future and and that kind of thing. And I think that perhaps where Joe's being a little bit, um, should we say humble, is that whilst he is um, very much redraft mindset and quite aggressive in trying to win in the here and now, he's not someone that will mortgage every pick in the future in order to try and win now. And I think that that's, that's a, the fine line that you perhaps need to tread. So... Joe, we're going to come back to you with the first, I suppose, topic that we wanted to cover is comparing ADP and to find their discrepancies. So when we say ADP, it's average draft position for each player. And as a lot of people will know, in Dynasty, you have a massive difference between your redraft and your Dynasty ADPs, especially for the older players. 
Um, I mean, some clear examples at the moment are Robert Woods and some players that are probably up there in age, but then in dynasty, you probably don't want to draft them too early. Whereas in uh, redraft, as I said, you don't care about the age. So, Joe, do you look at redraft ADP and dynasty ADP and then try and mesh them together to see where your differences are? How, how do you rank your players, I suppose? Um, I do, but it's it's very much off of how my board is breaking down. So let's say like I got a guy behind me who I could tell is going for that win now. I want to win year one. I want to win year two. When I'm looking to see who's going to come back to me, I have to take into account the fact that like, I should go look at the redraft rankings because he's probably going to pull on a player sooner. And I'm not trying to drop names that we're talking about later, but like he might go for an Aaron Jones sooner than a couple of other people who you could tell are playing down the road for 2023, 2024. So I, I don't blend them together all too often. I do have one side where I'm like, okay, this is my dynasty rankings. And then as the board breaks down, then I kind of blend them. But that first couple of rounds are pretty solidified with, I feel like, the entire fantasy world at this point. Yeah. And I think, I guess the, the, the kind of the, the origin, if we may, of, of this whole kind of podcast and this whole theory was basically we were playing around with redraft ADP against dynasty ADP. And I, I very, very basic, I chucked them both in a graph and it was really interesting because you could see what players were, you know, Tom Brady is obviously much higher ranked in redraft than he is in dynasty. And, and a lot of the players made sense, but there were a couple of receivers that quite frankly jumped completely off the page at me that I would still consider, you know, reasonably young, reasonably kind of well in that kind of re win now window. Yet they're massively lower in dynasty ranks than they are in redraft. So we'll, we'll start with the first. We'll leave, we'll leave the hot name for, for later, Joe. But the, the <laughs> first guy, so Mike Williams, he's only 27. He is currently in, this is 4 for 4s multi-site ADP as the wide receiver 17. But in, re in dynasty, he's going as the wide receiver 33. So do you think that, this is a massive value from a dynasty perspective. Do you think that pe people are concerned that he's approaching that age cliff or, or do you just think that this is a guy that we should all be going out and buying right now? In this situation, I feel like he's a great buy because one, he just got the contract. So, you know, the chargers won him, they gave him his money. You know, he's there with a great young quarterback, but the thing to me isn't so much his age that I'm looking at. I'm looking over at Keenan Allen's age and him falling apart a little bit. And if he falls off, let's just say a cliff entirely and loses out a whole nother step, then Mike Williams has to progress for these chargers to make the playoffs, to be a force in the NFL. I'll take that shot and Mike Williams there where everyone's like, oh, I'll take the comfortable shot with Keenan Allen. I know what he gives me. He's done it forever. He's got to go off that cliff eventually. So I'm going to go with Mike Williams, possibly taking over the wide receiver one this year. And that's something that I like to do with like my startups is I push the running backs all the way down and just give me as many wide receiver ones that I can get. And if I can get Mike Williams to fall into that, perfect. Yeah, I think it's weird, isn't it? Because you've got to look at, you know, we're talking about Mike Williams going, I'm trying to look at ADP now, but I think he's, he's going nine picks after Keenan Allen in terms yeah. of 
from Dynasty, yet in redraft, they're pretty much in the same ballpark of, of where they're going. Keenan Allen's the wide receiver 10 and Mike Williams wide receiver 17. So even though Keenan Allen's older, they're closer together in redraft than Dynasty. And for me, it's it's a massive disconnect. And I, I can't quite get my head around quite why the Dynasty community is so low on him, yet the redraft community is saying this is a you know a wide receiver two this year. Yeah, yeah it, it's wild to me. It's very wild to me because I get it. Mike Williams comes with that boom bust like approach to his game, but the Chargers paid him. They know that he plays like four strong games and disappears for two, four strong games disappears for another two. But Keenan Allen just gives you that one nice steady pace, and that's great until he can no longer give you that steady pace. Then he is an absolute trash item on your team. And I'd rather get the shot at somebody who can go higher than the guy that I know is going to give me the middle to bottom floor. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess mean, it ties into your two-year window of Mike Williams. You said about his contracts. He's going nowhere for the next two years. He's tied to Justin Herbert. Who wouldn't want that? It's it's, yeah. it's an ideal option, isn't it? Sorry, Liam, I yeah. interrupt you. I mean, you brought it perfectly onto what I was going to speak about is the contract situation there. So Keenan Allen, as of right now, can be cut for savings. I'm not saying that he's going to be cut before the 2022 yeah. season. But at any point in his contract now, he's got three more years, including this year, um, left on his contract. But he can be cut in any of the next off-seasons while he's under contract. For next year, I think it's like a 14 million saving or something along those lines. Now, yes, you've got to replace Keenan Allen with that 40 million, but that's still a significant saving. And then when you look at Mike Williams's contract, he's got two years basically guaranteed unless he absolutely falls off cliff and, cliff and doesn't do anything whatsoever where he's going to be on that roster, as Rich said, tied to one of the best young quarterbacks in the current game. I think that there there is a massive disconnect here and, do you see that a lot, Joe? Is that something that you look out for in your dynasty, like when you're ranking your dynasty players and when you're looking at your draft board? Is that something that you're constantly paying attention to, is these discrepancies, or is it you, you kind of decide there and then? Um, I, I think it's something that when I'm building my rankings out, it's always in the back yeah. of my head, but I'm not building my rankings based on that. It just kind of flows. Like, like we said, uh, Keenan was nine picks ahead. When I see Keenan Allen's name popping up in like drafts or in my rankings, I'm like, okay, wait, where did I put Mike Williams? Because I don't want to keep them too far apart. And I want one possibly ahead of the other. And I'm big on Mike Williams because not only is Keenan Allen old, but Austin Eckler's getting up there. So if he falls off too, and Keenan Allen starts to fall off too, the youngest option there, not counting like Joshua Palmer and all that stuff, like is Mike Williams, the guy who they just paid. And there's a reason they paid them. And the NFL organizations know more than we do. Like, they know that eventually the cliff is going to come for these people. That's why they got Spiller. That's why they gave a contract to Mike Williams. I feel like the tide could turn there. So, yeah, I, I keep it in mind. But, you know, kind of changes from each situation, from, like, the Chargers to the Bills to whoever. So let's start talking about the running backs then, because we, we obviously just spoke about the wide receiver age kind of there. So in Dynasty... Hang on, Liam. You you skipped out the hottest name in uh, in Dynasty and Twitter circles at the moment. How, I was how, say how that a little bit later? I was going to oh, say okay. that a little bit later, but let let's go into it because Rich really wants to talk about it. Obviously, <laughs> so the hottest name in on Dynasty Twitter right now is Gabe Davis at the wide receiver position. 
currently the wide receiver two for the Buffalo Bills. Now, me and Rich have been very vocal on our decision on or our stance on uh, Gabe Davis as the why would you take Gabe Davis when you can get um, Jameson Crowder much, much later for much, much cheaper and they you've got less of a well, less of a need for Crowder to hit, whereas with Gabe Davis with his current ADP, you need him to work out else you've just wasted a top 10 round pick in Dynasty Startups, which you don't want to do. Now, Joe, I'm going to just hand this over to you because I have a feeling you're going to be in the similar boat to us, but at the moment he has a massive discrepancy between his redraft and his um, Dynasty ADPs. Now, how do you feel about him, both in redraft and in Dynasty? Because I suppose that's what this is kind of about this episode is you're using your redraft rankings to help in your Dynasty League. So how do you feel about Gabe Davis going into this season and therefore into the future as well? So for me with Dynasty, I'm not grabbing Gabe Davis anywhere because the price, the all the allure that's being told, talked about on Twitter, he's just costing too much for me to even want to get him. But I do have him in redraft, but he's my fifth receiver. I waited terribly long and he ended up being there and I said, screw it, that's what I'm going to do because I usually go a lot of receivers first and then backs later. I don't understand the hype as much as other people are getting it. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like you guys said, Jamison Crowder, he's coming in. They brought in James Cook, pass catching option there. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is still there. If you have any belief in Dawson Knox, even though he's touchdown dependent, another option there. My thing is for redraft is I'm actually really high on Stephon Diggs because I think it's much easier to predict that Gabe Davis won't live up to this ADP than it is to say that Gabe Davis is absolutely going to shatter this ADP. So if Gabe Davis doesn't perform the way that 85% of Twitter apparently thinks he's going to, you're going to have to ultra target Stefan Diggs this year. So he's my number three in redraft. Like it's not even close. Like it's JJ and it's um, Cooper Cup are the top two, like give or take whoever goes one or two. And then it's Diggs. I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that. I think for me, and you know, this goes back to this graph idea is that I can't get my head around how a 23 year old wide receiver that's going as the wide receiver 25 in redraft yet is the wide receiver 38 in dynasty. And it's like somebody, somebody's wrong here. Either the redraft community are very wrong and yeah. he's being massively overhyped, which I, you know, I, I kind of lean towards that. Or mm-hmm. the dynasty community are far too slow and, you know, far too held up and caught up on the draft capital idea. And, you know, I'm, I'm one that always sits here and says day three wide receivers don't matter. So perhaps it's it's sticking to the brand and, and I've got to hate on Gabe Davis and uh, I can't admit <laughs> that he's ever going to be a thing. But I, I just can't get my head around it that, you know, it somebody's got to be wrong and yeah. somebody's going to have massively egg on the face. And we could be sitting here in a year and, People in Dynasty have been far too slow and and you've got a potential, you know, future star that, that's going to be 24 years old and, and that kind of thing. But, yeah. It I, just I, it, it happens too much with redraft. Like, it was very simply – it was very easy last year. My person to avoid 
in redraft was Chase Claypool. And everybody was like, he's young. He scored nine touchdowns, even though he had four of them against my Eagles. Like, it was very simple to point it out. And now this Gabe Davis stuff is shooting that ADP even higher than Claypool got to last year. And it's just, it's too rich for my blood. I know he had that amazing playoff game, and I think that's what stuck in the redraft brain for people. And you have to just kick it out because, one, it doesn't matter your fantasy team, your fantasy team, what he did in the playoffs. And then, two, it's one game. We've seen so many people go nuts for one game that it doesn't even matter. Who was the running back for the Patriots who scored four touchdowns and then was, like, the special teamer for the next, like, six weeks? Oh, it's going to play. It's going to play on Rich's mind now. <laughs> he got cut. Didn't he get cut the next week? Because yeah, it was. I can't remember his name right now. Jonas Gray, but it sounds right. Was it Jonas Gray? Move on, me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> sit with me for a while. That, but with on the Gabe Davis stuff. I mean, I, I understood a bit of his rookie season. He was getting a good percent snap share. But then last year, he only had four games over 60% snaps. And that all came towards the end of the season. I mean, I'm talking purely regular season here. So in the playoffs, that might have been a little bit different. But it definitely comes down to recency bias. He had that 85-yard, two-touchdown game in the uh, in week 15 against Carolina. And then he also had that massive, was it three or four touchdowns um, yeah. game in the playoffs as well for the Bills. So it definitely comes down to a recency bias, but as Rich is already away Googling something, it's Joe. It, it was Jonas Gray, 201, 201 yards, four touchdowns, and then was cut two weeks later. That's what I mean. Like things happen. <laughs> but back on the Gabe Davis stuff last year, how many games did he have over 10 points in PPR? Offhand, I do not know that, but I'll take just, a guess. Just have a guess. Three. We'll say three. Okay, a little bit more than that. I'll give okay. Rich a hint. <laughs> Rich is furiously yeah. typing to try and find out. He had six. <laughs> yeah, he had six. Okay. And out of those six games, how many games do you think he had a touchdown in over those over those ten? So one or multiple touchdowns within those six games. We're, we're going to stick with the brand today. We're going to go gonna three. Stick, stick with three. I guess, guess. guess I guess all of them. All but one, so you were close, Rich. Ah. But that, that's my point. Is We're talking about Dawson Knox as being hugely touchdown dependent, but the only time, apart from one game out of the five, he had to have a touchdown to score over 10 points. That's not yeah. someone I want on either my redraft or my dynasty team. And I think people are putting way too much stock into, um, into the whole, oh, uh, Cole Beasley's gone. It, Emmanuel Sanders has gone. I'm trying to think of some of the other names now, but all of these players have gone, and everyone's forgetting about Jamison Crowder in round what 15 yeah. or whatever is going in, if not even later than that in Dynasty. So, um, I think a lot of people are doing what me and Rich both hate is snap uh, target share just being passed over from one player to the next when that's not going to happen. So. Right. Let's get off the Gabe Davis talk because that's probably <laughs> ruined our viewership for Twitter anyway. Uh, everyone's gone off, gone away now and done whatever with their uh, evening or if you're in the US in your early afternoon. Okay. Yeah. But, um, let, let's move on to the running backs before Rich rudely interrupts me again. Um, <laughs> so 
as I was saying earlier, in re, uh, in Dynasty, you tend to have this age twenty six cliff where you basically can't sell a running back for for their value anymore once they hit that running once they hit that major age cliff, even if they're still performing. So we've we've seen guys like Zeke Elliott who is around the age now but has actually performed pretty well over the course of the season for the past few seasons we've got Derek Henry in the same situation Christian McCaffrey's kind of getting there if he gets a mediocre season this year I could probably see him around that age as well but Joe how do you deal with running backs you spoke earlier that you're more happy to take some of these older running backs how much does that age 26 gap or cliff play into your rankings because I'm assuming from a redraft point of view a one to two year window it doesn't matter as much if they're they're hitting that age maybe that's the guys that you're targeting i suppose yeah i uh i don't really play age too much into the like you know with my dynasty because like i was saying earlier i like to get the guys that i know are going to be around for about let's just say seven to ten years the quarterbacks the wide receivers load up on the wide receiver ones throughout the league get a couple quarterbacks and then i'll use my draft capital to go get these running backs these aging guys or even in a startup where they might fall beneath a few of these wide receivers so that i look like i'm going like zero running back but i'm getting a guy like we're going to talk about a zeke you know or I've gotten Connor a couple times. He's up there a little bit. Aaron Jones is somebody I have been targeting everywhere for the next two years because I think for the next two years, and that's kind of where I just play my windows of running backs is very, very short. I think he's going to be fantastic. And in a year and a half, if my team's not really working out and I don't like the build, well, then I sell them off to somebody who's competing who needs that last like five, six games to win a title. So, Rich, where do you want to go with this one, mate? Because we both know that you, with a quarterback position, um, you don't care about age. But running backs, does that change for you in Dynasty? Yeah, I think I, th- I think there's a really delicate balance with running backs. And I think that perhaps people take it too far and view running backs in sort of two age windows. And I think there's actually three. Um, and I realise I'm doing my hands and people can't can't actually <laughs> see what's happening. But So I think that there's the point at which you get the majority of a running back's production, which is in that first three to four years of their career. Everybody knows that that's where they want running backs. You want to draft them ideally in your wrecking drafts. You want to get peak value from them whilst they're good. And then you enter that second stage where, and this is where I'm one of those people that bangs the drum of, you want to sell every running back you've got at the peak of their value as they're hitting that second contract. Because as soon as they sell in that second contract, their value stays where it is, but it's about to plummet. And that's the point at which I want to sell all of my running backs that are at that age cliff. And people view that's what you do with running backs. But then I think there's that third window that people kind of forget about. And, you know, we've got Aaron Jones, Liam and I, we've talked about it a few times where the perfect time to sell him was, just before he signed that contract. As soon as he signed that contract, people were like, oh, four years. It was actually only ever going to be two years, but now people have started <laughs> to get it. And his price has plummeted. But because his price has plummeted, I'm now very interested in him because I'm not having to spend, you know, he's not a really high-priced player on my roster that I know is going to decline in price. But now 
he's I don't Liam, you might have to help me out here off the top of my head. He's what running back twenty in ADP, running back twenty five, something like that. Are we are we talking a uh, dynasty ADP? Yeah, yeah, in terms of dynasty yeah, ADP. Yeah. I... Running about twenty. He's running about twenty yeah. at the moment. There you go. Um so he's he's already being cast aside as being too old. But if I can spend that cost to acquire him for one year of production, that's fantastic. You know, I've got yeah. Aaron Jones is currently ranked. I think he's a, I've got him as a top five running back this year in terms of my redraft rankings. Like he's he's yeah. gonna be a stud. Everybody knows it. So if you're if you can spend to acquire him knowing that you're going to get no resale value. But you're going into that move knowing you're getting no resale value. Whatever you spend to acquire him, you're basically lighting on fire for this one year. I think it's fantastic. And I think that people forget about that third window when it comes to running backs. People focus on get them young, get the production, sell them when they hit peak value. But then there's that buy them late for that kind of twilight of their career. And, you know, worst case scenario, Aaron Jones has a slow start to the year, isn't particularly fantastic. AJ Dillon takes over, the Packers offense struggles, whatever. What's the worst you've spent? Probably a late first, maybe a couple of seconds. Like he's going that cheap at the moment. I'm happy to take that punt on the potential of a top five running back that I think Aaron Jones is this year. I mean, Aaron Jones is a perfect example, but we could expand this to other other options as well. I mean, you've got Zeke Elliott that's going at um, RB22 at the moment. You've got Fournette at 24. I mean, some of these guys, you're looking in, uh, in redraft, and where are you taking them at the moment, Joe? You've probably done a lot more redrafts than me and Rich because we, we've been too busy with the dynasty. Um brain at the moment but where are you seeing them going you what running back so in 15 in my redrafts like from what i because i wrote it all down here i didn't want to like not have it uh <laughs> so i have aaron jones first he's around like the ninth back coming off for the majority of the drafts that i'm in uh leonard fournette is right after him or right before him he's either eight or ten but he's around ten mostly for 10th overall and then zeke is the furthest one down out of the three you just named He's around 17 to 20, somewhere in there. A lot of people are scared off from him. If I could get a Zeke in like that four fifth, that has happened a couple times for me, all day. I'll smash that all day for the redraft side. Give me that every time. But that's my point is there's a massive disconnect between the dynasty and the redraft side. And some of that just come down to contact, uh, contract situations. But this is the, the point we're trying to make, I suppose, is have a look at your leagues. Have a look at your... Um, dynasty leagues and have a look at people's contracts, um, players' contracts because that's where you can really get an edge. I mean, Aaron Jones, me and Rich have been saying for the past year that he's only got this year left, but I'm starting to think that he might have to. Um, and if he, even if he goes to a new team, I think Aaron Jones is still going to be as good as he is now, but I think that if you get two years out of him on the Packers, that's still a really good yeah. buy in yeah. Dynasty. And I'm, yeah, for I, sure. And I think so. I'm 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 gobsmacked at where his price is. So I'm just on the uh, DLF trade finder right now. <clears throat> so some real life. These are real life trades from real leagues. So recently we've seen Zeke Elliott go for two second round picks. We've seen Zeke Elliott go for a second and a third. We've seen, yeah. yeah, we've seen Zeke Elliott go for Michael Gallup and Logan Thomas. 
Um, we've seen Zeke Elliott go for Jared Goff straight up, for James Robinson, a late second and two thirds. Like, you could I take Zeke in all of those. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, Zeke, you know, this is probably your last year. Zeke is, I don't think, going to be a top 12 running back this year. No. But you can base, you can't buy solid steady rb2 production for two two third round picks like yeah. that's insane it, i think it's something i like to say to people all the time that are like jumping my dms it's like every player is available for a trade depending on the right price and everybody is available to buy if that's the price for zeke Elliott, and that's all that person wants all day take it it's not and, even a question and to be honest maybe this is a really good rebuild buy you know, yeah. and I appreciate that. That seems slightly mental. Go out and buy <laughs> a running back that's potentially in the last year of his his contract and and year with the, the Cowboys. But if you can go out and buy Zeke Elliott in a rebuild for what two thirds, maybe a second and a third, I tell you what. In September, once players start getting injured, I can guarantee that you'll be able to sell Zeke for more than a second and a third. Yeah, well, that's what happened with me with James Conner last year. And then I I wasn't ready to make the playoffs in this league. I got James Conner, and I did it just to flip him. And as soon as Chase Edmond went down, like, midseason, I forget which week it was, I got a first and a second for James Conner. I was like, yeah, deal. Like, I, and I only, sold, I only like, traded off a second and a third to get Conner. So I moved up with my assets. So that's sometimes you get players like that just to do that. Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm saying I think you know we 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 touched on Leonard Fournette being the third guy there, and as you said, he's he's a top ten back in by most people this year. Yet he's going as RB twenty four in in Dynasty. If we all talk, we all talk about running backs only having one, two, maybe three years of production. Well, yeah, give, give me a top ten running back at you know RB three prices. Oh, all, all day. Give me Leonard Fournette. He's attached to Tom Brady. Maybe he could put the snacks down. I would appreciate that. But <laughs> other than that, like, there's nobody else there. I'm not worried about, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name right now. The running back that they Rashard, have. Rashard Thank White. You. Rashard you White. Like, I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about Keyshawn Vaughn because they went out and drafted another running back. Leonard Fournette is who Tom Brady trusts. And if Tom Brady trusts him, he's gold. And I, I really like Rashad White. I really like, I think he's got potential. I think he's, you know, ticks a lot of boxes. But look, Tom Brady doesn't like rookies. Tom Brady has never yeah. liked rookie. If you're telling me that a rookie is going to come into a Tom Brady offense and take Leonard Fournette off the field, who showed last year that he can do everything, and I mean everything in terms of pass catching, running between tackles, running outside tackles, the pass protection, he ticks all those boxes that Tom Brady wants. And I think the the more time Leonard Fournette spent on the sidelines, the more upset Tom Brady's going to be. And we all know that Tom Brady runs that team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's Tom Brady's team. Like you said, Leonard could do everything. Tom doesn't like rookies. And the fact that like, like I said, one to two year windows is how I play. And one to two year window for Fournette is where I'm thinking. And let's just say six games of that Godwin might be gone. On top of it all, and then Godwin has to come up the speed too. So let's just say eight total games. Let's say that happens. You now have a strong eight or games or so of Leonard Fournette being more of a focus point for your team. So I'm taking that shot because even if that doesn't work out in that sense, then like you said, you find somebody who is competing better than you and flip them. But I'll take the shot every time. So 
let, let's move on because we've spoken about running backs for uh, quite a while and we said at the start of the show we weren't going to get into specific players and it seems like that's what we've done so let's talk <laughs> a bit of theory this time uh, and let's try and keep it to theory but um we know that you have somewhat of a bromance on twitter with uh tom strachan from uh fan- also fancy pros writer best ball uk um or t strack as you may know him on twitter now we didn't put this in, or I'm assuming Rich didn't put this in uh, for this comment of romance, but we're going to start talking about a bit of stacking and more around uh, roster construction. Now, Tom loves his stacking in redraft and especially in his best balls. Do you like uh, stacking in your redraft or is it kind of like a, 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 if it happens, brilliant. If not, then I'm not worried about it. And how can you take that into like dynasty do you look at trying to make those stacks happen in dynasty as well so with redraft i don't like line up as much as tom does to get the stack but if it falls to me fantastic like easiest example is my scott fishbowl i ended up with Derek Carr in the second round and when darren waller when Devonte adams came back it was a no-brainer i had to go back to back there and then somehow darren waller came and i got the double stack but that's a whole nother story um but I like to stack when it happens. I don't go looking for it in redraft because then I feel like you you tend to overthink it and you jump players who you just should have over the person you're trying to stack with. But in Dynasty, I definitely try to stack something. I, I might not always have the top stack of, like, let's just say, for Tom's sake, um, Trey Lance and Debo Samuel. It doesn't always have to be that. It doesn't have to be Trey Lance and, you know – Kittle could be Trey Lance and Jennings. I can get something later. I like to I like to make my later guys try to stack with my quarterbacks because they're kind of dart throws anyway, and I'm kind of hoping they pop off. And if they pop off, that means the quarterback's doing better anyway, and then I'm reaping the, the reward from both sides. So, Rich, how do you feel about stacking, especially in Dynasty? Yeah, it's... <laughs> I think perhaps I'm I'm sort of a, a reluctant stacker. I think it's something Tom and I have talked about for on and off probably for, for about 18 months. And I think he's he's finally starting to wear me down and, and see the benefits of stacking. From a dice perspective, I think I, I, I like it, but I'm perhaps the opposite of Joe in that I quite like if I've got an established, you know, elite quarterback, I'm quite like going out and trading for his number one target. Um I certainly did it. I'm I'm in a a Devi league that I won back to back and I went out and traded for, I had Josh Allen and I went out and traded for Stefan Diggs halfway through last year because I quite like the idea of having those two to stack together down, down the kind of playoffs to hopefully take them to the title. And it, and it worked. And I think that I can definitely see the benefits of stacking. It's not something like you, Joe, that I kind of try to go out of my way to do. Um, if it happens, great. If if I can, you know, get a good trade at value and, and it helps me complete a stack, then fine. But it's not something that I'm going to go and overpay in a trade to get a stack or, or reach in a draft to, to certainly go and get. But, I mean, sticking, I guess, perhaps on the, the roster construction side, Joe, I think we talk so much about roster construction, particularly in best ball. But we we also talk about it in redraft, and you know you talk about hero RB or zero RB. Do you look at your overall roster within a dynasty league, whether that's twenty five spots, thirty spots? Are you are you analysing 
what you're doing with your bench spots, how you're constructing that bench spot to the same way you are in redraft, or is it just a case of you're going out and getting the, the 25 best players and, and however it falls is how it falls? Um, it kind of, it's changed recently. Uh, I've been more of a fan than a few startups that I've done where I start, like I was saying, quarterback and wide receiver heavy, and I get these really loaded up guys, like these wide receiver ones everywhere. And then I kind of load my bench with the backup running backs or, you know, different like the Madisons of the world and Hendersons of the world. And that sometimes is like my new favorite way to go about it. But for the most part, I'm just like, okay, give me top 25 that I can get right here. I'll worry about it, you know, because like I said, one to two year window is what I try to play in. So for the most part, I'm like, give me my best guys. Let's throw the best team I can onto the field and hope that I win. But I do lean into it a little bit saying, like, I'm going to probably go wide receiver a lot earlier and running backs later because if these wide receivers all hit and my team is really good and I only need to fill two spots with running backs, take that 2023 first, take that 2024 first, have them, give me those running backs, I'm set. You know, like that's kind of my thought process because most leagues are two, three wide receivers and a flex or something like that. I just feel like there's more spots I have to fill there and I want to make sure I'm safe there and I could play wild card with the running backs. What about you, Liam? What are you, are you, I guess, analyzing and focusing on that roster construction or, or is it something that you're just top 25 players, top 30 players and, and go from there? I mean, from a startup point of view in Dynasty, I am. I kind of do think maybe um, do I want, especially in Superflex, where do I want to take my quarterbacks? Because that's a, a big thing, both in redraft and in uh, Dynasty, you want those quarterbacks that are going to do well. But um, I suppose when it comes down to running backs, I'm a bit more flexible as Joe does. He, he likes his wide receivers first. And that kind of tends to be the way that I draft in Dynasty. In redraft, I tend to fancy the running backs a bit earlier on and because I know that I can get that value later with the wide receivers. Um, but I don't tend to immediately think of or go into a draft of ever, this is what my roster construction is going to be or this is my preferred roster construction. I'll always go in flexibly. and It will be three or four rounds before I actually think where I want to go with my roster. When it comes to redraft, I tend to have to make that decision a lot quicker because of if you don't, you're pick, just picking up random players and then your roster doesn't make sense. Whereas with Dynasty, at least you can trade a lot more and it's a lot easier to trade. Um, so for me personally, I know that Rich is a big fan of this tactic, but um, taking one or two quarterback, uh, running backs early and then picking up a bunch of later round guys just to sit on the bench and hope that they... Uh, get some significant time and then that's how you get that increased value especially in dynasty i mean in redraft it's you can still do the same thing but i'm a lot more um i i look at the wide receiver value a lot more in my redraft leagues for those later bench spots um rich how how do you go about it yeah i think i think it's i guess this is perhaps a twofold question i think in in startups i tend to agree with you is that i'm looking to accrue as as much roster talent as i can um i think to a point i think probably after and it depends on every league and every setup and everything like that but after we get to probably about 15 rounds 
I'm almost opting out at the wide receiver position um, because I think that the chances, and I've looked at this a few different times, but the chances of right wide receivers ranked outside of like the top 50, 55, becoming a startable player down the line for you is pretty slim. And for me, those ros- those wide receivers tend to basically become roster clockers. And there's yeah. the guy that you're like, oh, but he's he's the wide receiver three on his team and, and he'll have like three or four good weeks in the season. You're like, see, there's the talent there. There's the talent there. And then you look back after three years and he's sat on your bench and you've carried him for three years and at no point have you felt comfortable enough starting him, but he's too good to yeah. cut. And I think that that's the type of player that I just hate rostering. So at that point, you know, those back-end roster spots, I always try to opt for what I class as volume-based positions, which are volume at uh, quarterback and running back, because, you know, you can put in Joe Bloggs off the street at running back, and if he's going to get 20 carries in a game, if he's going to get 15 carries in a game, he's immediately fantasy relevant. And it might be that you don't start him, but there'll probably be someone in your league that'll give you a, you know, a late second or a third-round pick for them. And it's the exact same at quarterback, you know. I've seen trades where David Blau got traded in a dynasty league for a second round pick because someone was desperate for a quarterback that week. Absolutely mental, but it happens every year. I can guarantee this year there will be a quarterback injured. The backup will come in and the person who rosters them will probably end up trading them for a profit. So I think that, yeah, I, I try to buy into talent over everything let's accrue, you know get the best value players on my roster but i do think that those back end roster spots i'm looking more for players that have got the potential to accrue value and for me and the way i play that tends to be those volume based positions yeah. um f- looking from a redraft perspective i guess it's difficult because you've got much shorter benches haven't you so i guess i'm yeah. i'm i'm much more likely you know to be honest i kind of play redraft very similarly in that i build around receivers and then i'll just basically load my my bench with running backs and hope some of them hit so yeah i I guess i'm probably quite similar into stealing that from redraft to dynasty well it's it's hard like the one thing i like to do with like my dynasty leagues is if i get to a spot where i'm like okay who do i want the running back or the receiver here one of them has a chance of the higher shelf life than the other so i'm always going to take that in the beginning rounds you know like I'm always going to take the wide receiver over the running back in the first few rounds, and then I'll get my running backs later. But like you said, in redraft, I'm a little different. I I try to get, like, at least the one for hero ball, and then I'll just load up on wide receiver and go pick up the backups that I can. And, well, for me, I love Chase Edmonds, and I keep getting him in the ninth, so I'm pretty set in my mind in redraft. But it's, you know, I won't shut up about you and me both all in on Chase Evans, although I am yeah. fuming because he's literally just been sniped one pick ahead of me in the JTT Cup. So oh. I've gone, it's it's a best ball, 10 team leagues. I think I've gone nine wide receivers in my first 11 picks along with two quarterbacks. Chase Evans was going to be my first running back and he got sniped the pick before me. Oh, so I was fuming. That's nice. That's that's kind of my goal in the Scott Fishbowl because like I just got AJ Dillon. I'm like, if Chase Edmonds gets back, I'm just gonna hammer that and then just call it a day. I'll go to running backs way later. I'll worry about it then. But Chase Edmonds is my guy. And because of him this year and his ADP and redraft, I feel like Hero Ball is the best setup, which is my next fantasy pros article is me doing an early 
like position mock draft. And I kind of just hammer home wide receivers and then eventually hit those running backs. And I lucked out, thankfully. I can't say too much because I feel like fantasy pros will smack me upside the head. And you know, <laughs> I got I to keep quiet till it comes out. You know? when's, when's, when's it dropping? It's supposed to be this week, but with the holiday, everything kind of got a little junked up. So, yeah, well, our holiday, obviously not yours, but <laughs> our, our holiday. So we're, we're, uh, we're a little behind. So we'll, it'll be out this week, hopefully. So where can everyone find your work? Obviously, you've got fancy pros there, but um, I, I know you write for some other sites and we didn't cover them right at the start. I just said a whole host of other sites. So where can everyone find your work, Joe? So you can find my work at Triple Play Fantasy, where I do the Tripwire podcast with Zach, Alex, and a newcomer, Steve, today. So when it drops Thursday, you'll get to see him. Uh, I do some things with Club Fantasy FFL, and we do what's called Dunking on Joe, where we kind of have like a PTI set up, and I ran for five minutes, somebody else rants for five minutes, and then we let Twitter vote on it. But those are the three sites. So you got Fantasy Pros, you got Triple Play, you got Club Fantasy FFL, and then you obviously got my stupidity in between on Twitter <laughs> at JPEP20, where I just do trick shots and post my girlfriend's dog way too much. I mean, dog pictures always welcome on Twitter. Let, let's not pretend. No. Oh, Rich. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm at the point where I'm considering muting Joe. Far too many dog pictures <laughs> for my life. She needs so some cute. more trick shots, mate. All right, I'll yeah. put some trick shots back. Yeah, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's been busy in the gym because, like, people are coming back from COVID, you know, and work from home. So we're actually busy again. And I'm like, oh, you guys are in my way. Like, I need to kick <laughs> this ball. <laughs> so I got to find, like, a, a good point of the day where it's quiet, and I'll bring it back for you. Sounds good. Just hearing excuses, Matt. Just hearing <laughs> excuses. Um, Joe, at the end of every show, we tend to do a dynasty tip. Now, I know we haven't asked you for one, but can you think of one off the top of your head right now? If not, don't worry, we've got backups. But can you think of a dynasty tip for all of our listeners that you basically just want them all to know and think that they all should be implementing in their dynasty leagues? Um, yeah, something that I deal with with a lot of people is being afraid to trade your draft capital. Nobody knows what's coming in a year. Nobody knows what's coming in two years. You do have a better shot of figuring it out in the next couple months for 2022, though. So don't be afraid if you're right on the edge and you need to make the playoffs and you're about to become a contender and you need like one or two more pieces, trade that capital. Don't do a stupid trade, but be willing to trade that capital. Perfect, right. So that is the end of the show, guys. Um, this time next week, we will be speaking to you after the very first UKFFC that me and Rich are excited for. Joe, you're going to have to come over one year, maybe Definitely. next year. But um, yeah, it'll be. <laughs> I'm putting pressure on you now. You've got <laughs> I listen, I'm going vacation i'm there like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh first very very first ukfc on saturday as of recording the 16th so um we'll be speaking about that a little bit next week but not too much so until then guys thank you joe for coming on rich i'll see you next week as usual and remember guys keep going cheers
you can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.